master's degree, I end up a negative one, like yeah. a like a white guy. Yeah, it's How funny. The, ma- the master's degree will hurt you, or or if you yeah. make good on meritocracy, like Ben Carson, that actually works against him. Yep. And so they they took they took Ben Carson's name off of that high school, like up in. Uh, Get ready for the uncloseted conservative hour you've been waiting for. No censors, no fake news, just facts and the freedom to speak them. Friends, if you are still in the conservative closet, I've got one question for you. Why? We've sat in silence. We've been on the sidelines for years. How has it been working out? That's why it's an uncloseted conservative revolution right here, right now. Let's get into it. Oh, you. You're an American man, a Christian, and a patriot. You fight for freedom in your family's future, but for the last couple of years, the battle's gotten crazy intense. You're battling on so many fronts, it's exhausting. I've been there. I've felt the mental cloudiness, the lack of support, and the negativity that comes from this struggle. Now, I'm telling you that if we're going to live well and fight well, we must take time to focus on the things within our control. Mental clarity, physical fitness, and our spiritual depth. So I founded Warrior Mind, Body, and Soul for this very reason. Warrior MBS is a 60-day online team experience that will increase your mental clarity, supercharge your physical fitness, and provide a fresh spiritual grounding that supports everything else you do. It includes a comprehensive eating plan, a customized workout plan that you can do from anywhere, mental motivation five days per week, spiritual special operations to strengthen your soul, and most importantly, a brotherhood of like-minded Christian men who thrive with competition and are with you in the fight. So if this sounds up your alley, send me the text warrior directly to my cell phone at 615-542-4997. I can discuss this program with you directly or click the application in the description. Welcome back to the Joe Mobley Show. Guys, so glad you're here. So glad you're an uncloseted conservative. If you haven't guessed, we are speaking with Jeremy Slayton, the guy from that interview, an outspoken warrior who's just kicking butt on all kinds of fronts. Make sure you follow him on social media. Check out his website. It's right there, warriormbs.com. If you're listening on one of our streaming platforms, I know you're not listening on YouTube because my two years of work on YouTube has been erased. Uh, YouTube pulled the Xerxes yesterday and they erased Joe Mobley from the YouTube history books. Uh, but guys, thank you so much for about a thousand people. Uh, Casey and I saw yesterday make the cut over from YouTube to Rumble. Uh, can't thank you guys enough. Now that you're here, make sure you like, share, and subscribe. If you are on one of those streaming platforms, you can catch up with Jeremy right underneath. Just scroll down. His links are in the description. It's Joe Mobley, it's Casey Gates, it's Jeremy Slayton coming at you. Jams. Oh, it switched us. <laughs> oh, man. Now what does? Well, they do now because we're live. <laughs> Jans, how are you doing? Doing well, man. Glad to be here. 
And another day in paradise. Awesome. Glad to have you. <laughs> I, uh, you know, everyone, I, I'm a business person. I, I like to start on time uh, and, and be a person of my word. Uh, I was racing across town just moments ago because I was out with, um, uh, what's her name? Uh, Kelly J. Um, uh, Poser Parky. Park. Oh, gosh. She's, now she's going to kill me. Posey Parker uh, on the internet. Kelly Kelly J. Keene, she's a British uh, trans, anti-trans activist. Uh, she's here in, in my neck of the woods. And uh, anyway, I was racing back from an event. So guys, thanks for letting me be late to my own show. I'll, I'll speak to HR uh, and <laughs> make sure uh, it gets sorted out. Yeah, we'll let, uh, it, pa- we'll let it pass this time. So, Jeremy, you haven't been on the show, man. So you got to tell everybody uh, who you are and what you do. Yeah, well, thanks again for having me. And I, I am really glad to be here. You know, a, a lot of this is is newer to me um, because I was, after my baseball days, which ended around 2011, 2012, um, I got in the roofing business. So I was a roofing salesman in Atlanta for five years and then here in Nashville for five years. Uh, but as time went on and we got closer and closer to 2020, I saw the world what I felt getting more and more, um, I guess, deceived, you know, from from a lot of different angles. And I just saw kind of a storm coming, you know, it was the last year of, of Trump's presidency, or, you know, I, I was expecting him to, to get in again. Uh, but that year 2020 on, a, on so many fronts, uh, just went berserk. You know, we all saw it happen. And I was still doing the roofing thing. But I just felt like, man, I really need to be speaking out on these deceptions. Because if I'm a, a Christian believer, and if I'm someone that is trying to pursue truth and I see people that are sliding down these, uh, I don't want to say rabbit hole, but like sliding down this cliff of deception where they don't even realize it's happening. But, you know, between big tech and between uh, our government and the media and the medical complexes, they've made it uh, very comfortable to slowly become deceived, kind of like the frog in the kettle. So I, I did the very unpopular thing of maybe kind of being a voice in the wilderness, which which we're all doing. I mean, it's the reason that you got kicked off YouTube the other day. Um, so I stepped into that and I, there was huge learning curves. I mean, when you're stepping into media and podcasting and uh, you know developing all new relationships, um, it can be tough, you know, especially when the the cultural climate is against you. So I did that for, and I'm still doing it. You can find my channel, uh, Rumble's the best place. YouTube, for the same reason, has suppressed me to the point you can't find me. I don't believe, I'll throw this in, I do not believe guys like us um, should be giving our time, talent, and energy to companies that hate our values, um, which I get it. They're the hugest platform in the world. You know, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube. Uh, that's where a huge uh, potential market is. But at the same time, I, and I listened to your podcast yesterday, Joe, you said, I knew it was only a matter of time before it happened. Yeah. You know, So for me, it's kind of like, okay, I can continue to try to build and I can fill out, figure out how to get unshadow banned on Instagram and all this. But why? I mean, it's only going to be another six months and then they'll fully kick me off. And then I've wasted you know, that, that time to develop those followers. But for all those reasons... You know, on top of the fact that I wasn't making a steady income yet, so I was living off of my bank account for my roofing days, I got really frustrated one night. And I was just thinking, man, I don't feel like I'm making a difference. I'm not making a, a great income yet um, or even a good one. What do I do? And it was, I mean, I was praying about it. And I felt like God said to me, Jeremy, you're a coach. You've been in sports your whole life until you were 30 years old. 
Uh, people respect you for that. You understand the body and the connection between mind, body, and soul. And those were always words that resonated back in my pro days. Because like if, when I have mental clarity in a game, I'm keeping life pretty simple. I'm focused, I've got good priorities in my head, focusing on the, the main things. Um, when I'm physically fit, that plays into the mental clarity and the spiritual foundation. If the spiritual foundation is right, it's also much easier to have the mental clarity to be physically fit. So those three things, they kind of buffer and support each other. And I feel like we live in a very disconnected time. And um, I, I just feel like I may, I may have a unique role in helping guys uh, refine that connection. And maybe the insertion point is, hey, I just want to reset my body and get in shape. Well, with the Warrior MBS program, they don't have a choice, but yeah, <laughs> they don't to have a, a choice but to developing here. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> but you know, I, you you would know this being an athlete. Um, you know, when you when you start doing something hard physically every day, it it kind of clears your head, and you can start thinking more clearly. I mean, especially in the mornings, if you you get out and you do something that's a little bit tough physically, um, typically it will open up your mind as well. So we have a lot of fun with it. It's a seventy day. Um, 70 day competition as well as community. And at the end of that, you know, there, there's, there's a plan to have a warrior veteran program. That's more of a six month relationship based kind of thing. But right now it's meant to reset guys who um, just, just need it. And we have a lot of educational components about a lot of hot button topics in our world as well. So it, it's a lot of things wrapped into a 70 day experience. Awesome. That is awesome. Dude. <laughs> so, really cool. Have that's you that. guys seen this? Uh, you know, Casey and I are military veterans, uh, all of us, you know, athletes, athletic people. When I, uh, so now through strange circumstances, you know, you're, you're in with, uh, you become an activist of, of some kind or whatever. I've noticed a lot of people in that community are athletes, which is to say people who have gone through a strenuous, you know, strive meritocracy type mm -hmm. experience, brotherhood or sisterhood for my female athletes out there. And man, it, it got me to thinking like, um, it's a minority of sorts. You, you, you look at a school and there's really only about eight to 14% of students anywhere will be an athlete. Um, there's something, I have not done any research, but there's something in the character, the DNA of someone who's willing to put themselves through that because there isn't a sport out there that's easy. I don't care if it's ping pong or pool or uh, <laughs> pool's not strenuous, but uh, <laughs> but it's it's something and I'm seeing and I just met a bunch of uh, athletes down here in Leesburg, Virginia, uh, who, you know, it, that, that person that will stand up and say, you know what, this isn't right. Mm -hmm. I'm, I'm going to you know, not rage against the machine. Are you guys seeing that? I see it. Go ahead, Casey. No, I'm sorry. It's just one of those things where it seems like um, being an athletic person, outgoing, wants to, you know, get out in the world and do things. All of a sudden, like, especially over the last couple of years, all of a sudden I found people like calling me like toxically male. And, and stuff like that to where if I'm Dude, even you're slightly EOD, masculine. Bro, it doesn't get any more masculine than that. <laughs> <laughs> like, no, it's a hard pass for me. <laughs> but it's just like, it's almost like there's this uh, push, um, not only uh, anti-masculinity, but anti-fitness. You know, you, you got these couch potatoes. Excuse me, dog. Sorry, my dog. Being, is being fit is fat phobic. 
A hundred percent. I mean, in the mainstream media right now, you can go to Washington Post or you can go to Daily Beast and other, you know, mainstream leftist publications and look up what the articles that they have written about fitness and men, especially white men who are trying to be physically fit beyond their college years. And they try to align it with Nazism, with fascism. I was the other day, I was just called a fascist on, and it had nothing to do with physical fitness, but it was to do with like, you know, a political point of view. And really it's, it, it would, I don't even remember what I said, but I guarantee you it was something that like humanity has held as a principle of society for thousands of years. And all I did was restate that. And they call me a fascist, you know, because <laughs> that's all they know to do is name call. But yes, there, it isn't like toxic masculinity is this new thing in terms of the, the, the creating a problem out of nothing. Yeah. Um, this is this has been an agenda for a long, long time, and I, I would recommend anybody that has not seen Tucker Carlson's documentary called "The End of Men." They go into the agenda since Kennedy. Uh, he gave this big speech on fitness in our elementary schools, middle schools, and high schools, and how yeah. big of a deal it is to have a fit younger generation that knows how to work for their goals, um, and, and, and they, he, they understand. He specifically said, and "This is not about military recruitment." It's about the character of the nation. Great, yes. great speech. That's a that's a deep yeah. cut. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. So you've you've seen the speech. Yeah, yeah. A lot of people, a lot of people haven't. Um, but you know everything from the chemicals in our in our foods that are synthetic estrogens, uh, you know, endocrine disrupting uh, or endocrine disrupting chemicals. They call it as well. They're they're lowering our testosterone. This is an agenda yeah, yeah. on purpose. And people say, well, how how could they coordinate this? At this point in history, it doesn't take that many people at the very top to make decisions that trickle down. And I'll give a I'll give a sports analogy because you brought this up, Joe. You were talking about I see a lot of you know good activists in sports because they know how to work for things. I would say this up to a certain point, then you get into the the major leagues or the, the NBA majors, oh, or the yeah. NFL. There's like three. <laughs> right. Yeah. Well, it's all the other. They're still activists. They're activists yeah. the other way because they're told like this is what you have to believe now, and we're going to make you wealth and rich, rich and fab. You know, your life's going to be fabulous if you will just get on board with these these you know mainstream ideas. So, so they soul. do. So they do. I mean, you know, Dude, LeBron I, James I is not what you're talking about. Depression. I I think LeBron James is a brilliant scholar, <laughs> a gentleman <laughs> scholar. When right. I consult my my attorneys and my CPA and LeBron James, when I want to make a real, well informed decision, <laughs> he, he's very angry at the the uh, the Twitter bots right now. Um, oh, is it? Of which Elon pointed out to him. Uh, oh, I keep seeing the N word. Do those are bots? We we're we're fixing that right now. <laughs> Yeah, there's not Don't a bunch of white that. people spamming the N word on Twitter. Uh, <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> it's I mean, it's so ridiculous. It, every white person I know would be scared to death to like say that word online mm -hmm. or even in private. Like it just yeah. it's it's unbelievable. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Well, I don't like I don't like its ubiquitous use among black people. Um I think it's people, I think it's offensive it, all the way around. Yeah. Yeah. It, it, I've been called it by black people and I've always kind of read them the right act about it, made them uh, regret yeah. the choice. You know, one of my favorite things, for, and this was actually from a Democrat, but it's Morgan Freeman on, a, I think it was with Anderson Cooper. You guys probably yeah. seen the interview. And, you know, the thing is, the whole thing about being offensive and, you know, even that word, okay, it, it's offensive, I get it. But, you know, I could be called almost anything by someone that doesn't know me. And that, I think a strong man, we're talking about what men are, 
it really shouldn't affect you. I mean, maybe it stings right at first. You're like, why would he say that? And you're like, I don't know this guy. He's probably an idiot. I'm moving all of my day and I'm going to go be successful. That's it. And Morgan yeah. Freeman, I think it might have been Don Lemon. And Don Lemon said, what are we going to do about the race problem in America? We got such a problem with racism. He's like, just stop talking about it. We're, yeah, we're just, shut we're, up. We're talking about it all because he knew. You're giving it power. We're giving it power by making a big deal out of it. And we're creating a bunch of pansy boys that can't like hear something they don't like. And by pansy boys, I'm even talking about the people like Mark Zuckerberg at the top of the top of these big tech organizations. You know, it's why we're, it's why you're kicked off YouTube. I don't know what you did or said, but I guarantee you. Neither probably, do I. <laughs> yeah. 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 You don't even know what you did. They nope. won't let you know. No. You're so, just bad. You're just a very, very bad person. So, that, so what? Yeah, I mean, one message that I would give to any man is like, stop listening to those voices and stop letting it affect you. Because, I mean, if you're letting it affect you at this point, like you're going to live in their thought prison. That's what it is, too. It's, yeah, they're, you're allowing them to force their views about life and interaction with other people onto you. Why, why bring on that negativity? It's stupid. 100%. It, yeah. it doesn't make any sense. The other thing about it is, and I, I say this to people all the time, uh, I usually say it to young to middle age or young to my age, so mid-30s, black men. What could, to say, hey, you know, you're responsible for your own actions. What could a racist white person say or do to me to make me leave my wife and kids? There's no such statement. Like, oh, <laughs> someone called me a bad word. Now I'm going to blow up my life. It's like, no, 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 no. You can't make these terrible decisions and and try and live a, a life completely devoid of responsibility and not be accountable to your actions and say it's because of racist white people. It's, that doesn't even make sense. That means that there's someone out there that could say or do something to me so over the line that I would come home and leave my wife and kids. No, dude. Like, yeah. no. You know, one of the things, um, Jeremy, I like about uh, the the warrior MBS idea as well is that you have teams like uh, in the military or just anywhere where you have a whole bunch of guys working together as a team. Because if we don't, we all die. Uh, you know, right. it's big. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, there's there's racist BS in the in in the Navy, but when everything, you know, if the ship's on fire. And we all, you know, it doesn't matter if you're, you know, steering the ship or cleaning the, you know, the toilet. If the ship goes down, we're all turning in shark food. So yeah. when life is on the line, all of a sudden, all this racist stuff goes bye-bye. Yeah. And, and yes, 100%. And also to Joe's point earlier about a meritocracy, and that's what sports is, all the race stuff goes away. You just put, like in baseball, you put the best nine players on the field, period, yeah. period. Um, you know, in the NBA, I mean, even though it's dominated by black people, if it was, if there was a white guy that was freaking awesome, he's going to be Bird. on the court, period. You Larry know, Bird. end of story. <laughs> and it, yeah. And I think one problem right now with, with men, and this is again, going back to the warrior program, they have lost, um, one, they're very isolated, you know? They, 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 they may work hard, they're around their coworkers or whatever, but they feel like they can't really express themselves in the workplace anymore because culture has changed so much. And everyone has a safe space. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So you, you're always afraid of offending someone and all that. And you shouldn't be. I think, again, we need to get over that and just be ourselves. Um, but this provides a place for us to truly be in a locker room again and be in community, if only for a short time, and be in competition. There's nothing that focuses a guy 
like some good old fashioned competition. You know, it's, it's true about boys. It's true about young, young guys. And it's true about a guy when you're 50. And I think that's what we've gotten away from. And that's why, you know, you got these, these white men that's, that sit on their conservative, their conservative couch, like, oh, I'm part of the, the silent majority. You know, like those days are past us now. You and know? you're a coward. They're cowards. They're cowards. Like, they don't want to come out here like we are. And, and I don't like labels. It's like, no, you're a coward. You don't like courage. It's what you don't like. Violence should not exist. Sports okay. was a meritocracy. <laughs> and then we got hit with this dude. Yeah, uh, yeah. 100%. Yeah. And, oh, and by I the mean, way, you remember the big, the big event? Uh, I guess it was the championships. That was at my okay. freaking... That was at my freaking alma mater, Georgia Tech. Oh, no. <laughs> oh like, was it? Okay. Yes. Like I like the baseball field, like my dorms were only, you know, <laughs> like a stone's throw away from that big swimming complex or whatever. And also Georgia Tech just gave Anthony Fauci an honorary degree. Like it oh, so yeah. Saint Fauci. Philip <laughs> We're not allowed to say that. Yeah. yeah <laughs> like, it's like Voldemort. Voldemort. Yeah. <laughs> With all the reverence and right, man, we should come up with the Saint Fauci like, uh, like bumper or something. Uh, something. Every, every time someone says his name, it could come out. Oh. <laughs> I didn't die. know what you meant by bumper. I thought you meant like bumper sticker. Yeah, like a little video thing. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That's right. Jeremy's still new to podcasting. That's right. Yeah, well, still You're doing great so far, baby. Trying. Yeah. We got all. Yeah. I will say for a while, I thought StreamYard was trying to cancel me and I had some conversations with uh, customer service, found out that, that wasn't true. Um, but it's feature rich. Like you can put stuff on the screen like that. Wow, nice. crazy. Yeah. This one's kind of weird though, because like we can see us on the outskirts. Uh, <laughs> so you got to like full screen it. Anyway, Mike Lindell, folks, fighting for your rights, mypillow.com, promo code Mobley. Uh, <laughs> $35 million. Like, he doesn't have to be doing what he's doing. He, him, and his his net worth is probably north of a hundred, a few hundred million dollars. And to spend thirty five million dollars of your own money in litigation for other people's freedoms, because there's a certain amount of money where you can kind of do what you want. Right, right. He's definitely money. there. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and he's doing what these guys did. You know, our lives, our fortunes, and our sacred honor. Well, you know, another thing, Joe Rogan talks about this, actually. You know, money is an interesting thing. After you have a certain amount, it's just it's just a number after a while. So now it's it doesn't matter how much money you have. It matters what you do with it. Right. Well, you know, and another example with Mike Lindell that should give guys who are afraid to step out, because that, that's what it comes down to. When you were talking about cowards, Joe, it's guys are afraid to lose what they got, right? Well, Mike Lindell had been advised heavily by his own his own team many times. Can we Don't stop do doing the Trump commercials? Can we stop? And this was before he got canceled. <laughs> yeah. It was only when he went after like election fraud that he truly got every big box store, you know, said, okay, we're dropping you. That would scare most guys to death. But his um, you know, financial statements the following year were just as good, if not better, because all of the patriots in this entire country rallied around him, went directly to his website, purchased direct. And I mean, I don't know how much better he did, but I know he didn't really lose anything in terms of the business. So I think that that should give hope is like, don't, you know, don't, don't apologize. Don't back up double. If you know that you're speaking truth, Tell do it with courage and some gusto. And like, cause that's what the other side does not know what to do with. 
That's why they hated Trump. But that's also why like Trump was effective in so many ways that your typical couch conservative that's trying to be in politics will never be effective. Yep. Yep. But with totally the art of the deal, Trump says that all press is good press. Yeah. So, yeah. you know, the more they cancel you, the more it's going to help you out in the long run. Look at Mike. Mike yeah. just got canceled from Walmart and the internet trolls on Twitter tried to cover their tracks and say it was because it wasn't selling well. Uh, except my pillow products, he's got hundreds of SKUs. My pillow products were consistently in the top three best selling products at Walmart. Really? Yeah, month over month for oh, something like 12, 13, 14 months. Wow. So, one of the best selling brands in the store of Walmart, which is obviously a national, you know, franchise or whatever, it they have the oligarchs backing them because. Yeah. That type of decision is throwing hundreds of millions of dollars in in the toilet. Hundred percent. Yeah. I mean, I think a lot of us have a sneaking suspicion that whether you're talking about the the book publishers and the kind of books they're putting out for kids that like no parent really wants for their kids, or the programming that Disney is doing now that like everybody wanted, you know, all the conservatives are like canceling Disney Plus. The 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 uh, example you just gave, you said oligarchs funding like from the top down. I think so many people have that sneaking suspicion that's like, okay, they're not, they're not serving their demographic. They're not serving the people that would be paying them from the bottom up. Where are they getting their money? You know, mm-hmm. and it's like, I think there's so many groups out there, whether you're talking about the World Economic Forum, the British Crown, I mean, there's, that, that, that have an agenda for the globe and they are giving massive stockpiles to say, we're going to continue to pump this down until the people become subservient to our will. We will guide them into this future utopia. And that's where we got to fight. We got to stand up against that. You will own nothing. There you go. Dude, we were talking about that with the streaming. I realized like Apple had gotten rid of a bunch of my music that I had since I was in high school. And I'm like, uh, I'm, I'm going back to CDs. I got physical books. Like, I'm buying DVDs now. Uh, this subscription, have you noticed everything's gone subscription? Yeah, everything's... Yes. And yeah. you eat yes. Microsoft yes. Word. I don't have Microsoft Word anymore because it's right. subscription-based. Yeah, and it's, it's like, cloud. no, you, you, we need to at least... Owning a digital license is already kind of apart from owning a physical, tangible item. Well, um, I, I was just yeah. thinking about something as well, Joe. I mean, did you ever pay for like the video? Have you ever like bought videos and stuff like that from YouTube? Like, no, like but I've movies seen and that. Stuff like yeah, that? You can they like take all of that away from you? And stuff. Yeah. Uh, so, well, that's or if they cancel the... Pro- so you own... Uh, I've owned uh, digital series... And then they come out in the woke generation and cancel it. It will, it's like sending out a kill code and it will erase it from your machine, from your cloud, so, from your whatever. So it's almost like them coming over to your house and taking that DVD off of yourself saying, sorry, this is It's a digital book burning. It's a <laughs> virtual book. They're making content. Dis- they just made two years of my content disappear from YouTube. Right. Obviously, right. I was smart enough to diversify. What, what's your what's your plan for that, Joe? Because I think a lot... I mean, me and Cl- I want to hear, like, where are you going to... I mean, I know you're on Rumble, but in terms of monetization, like, what do you do at this point? Monetization is rough. I'm on Rumble, BitChute, uh, Twitch, all the places. Um, for a while, we thought it was going to be... we Casey and I thought it was going to be locals. And I'll be honest, this, I guess this is the first time I'm saying publicly. Uh, so surprise if you're listening to this episode. Um, <laughs> 
I'm going to take right out of Steven Crowder's playbook, Louder with Crowder, Tim Pool, oh, all those baby. guys, Come Daily Wire. Um, <laughs> we're, we're changing the format of the show, uh, especially with the YouTube setback. You know, I'll, I, I have some residual, I'm um, medically separated army vet. So I have like passive income there until they decide to cancel conservative banking completely. Um, yeah. And then we, we had a pretty healthy savings when I left my last job and you know, it's, you go from making multiple six figures to like trying to build this YouTube thing. And then YouTube, you know, it's a family show. So we'll say F's you in the A. Uh, I think we'll just bleep that out later. Uh <laughs> I'm going to I'm going to end up publishing to my own website and we're going to do um we'll probably go evenings. I, Casey and I were talking we were thinking about making the show Tuesday and Thursday night. Uh hour forward facing, public facing and then an hour more subscription only. Uh you got you got a mug. I designed a mug. I haven't even released it yet. Uh, you, you get, get to a, get drunk with us. Yeah, you get a mug, you get a shirt that's not publicly available to anyone that's not a member. Um and just doing it on my show, I know it's going to take a long time to grow that way. Um, but I have a bunch of people that subscribe to me on Locals who pay monthly. And you guys, thank you so much for supporting what we're doing here. So uh, just just to clarify, I want to make sure that Jeremy wasn't asking you, is there a recourse for YouTube? Because I'm not dropping the whole, the show is gone. Yeah, I don't know. I, I I think, well, you know, it's, we're, you know, working with Drew. I feel like what Drew said, I feel like... Because we canceled the Disney Plus. We canceled Netflix with the cutie stuff. That was the bridge too far for me. It's fine if you guys still have Netflix out there listening. Don't write me a nasty gram. This is not a weaker brother thing or whatever. Um, I don't think I want to play in YouTube sandbox at all. I, I want to... Stuff that I see missing on other streaming platforms, I want to make those videos or copy them or something and put them on Rumble or yeah. Odyssey or something. Um, because YouTube, the reason that Google bought it, it's because it is the second largest search engine in the world. If you want to know how to do something, you go to YouTube. Mm -hmm. um, you don't I, want to I'm, feed the enemy. Yeah, yeah and, and on Rumble, to that point, there is a huge vacuum for those kind of videos, you know, and, yep. and, and Rumble's only going to get better and more options and it's going to be more user-friendly the more money and that they have. Uh, you know, my fear is you know, you fast forward 10 years and let's say Rumble's like a really serious competitor or even two years um, in terms of their own money, their own clout. My, my fear is that then they are seen as a real threat and the globalists, the big tech, you know, oligarchs really try to squeeze them. Uh, and then, then you're going to test their well, true bravery. I fear that's happening now. I'll tell you, there are some things that I don't like about Rumble um, and as respectfully as I could say, I respect the crud out of Rumble and Dave Rubin and Locals and everything that they're doing. Um, I'm a security guy. There's so much risk involved. Uh, I don't like that they're based in Canada, that their server farms are in Canada. They're just much more at risk. And here we have the, the nameless, faceless oligarchs. But there, the Canadian government, which is still under the royal crown, uh, which talk about a tough spot. Like the worst thing to happen is to get be a straight Christian, a straight white Christian male, which is already Satan now, apparently, or Hitler, mm -hmm. and then get crowned king. Like what a tough spot. That's just like the worst <laughs> thing. I felt so bad for him. Wait, um, say that again. You said the, the toughest thing is to be a straight white Christian male in Canada. And then you said, and then get crowned king. I don't know. Well, Canada is still... Uh, 
under the right, right, under monarchy. British rule. Yeah. Uh, so I'm I'm talking about with the Queen's passing. Uh, I, I um, felt so right. bad. Like that's like the worst news as a straight white Christian male to be like, oh, you're you're already negative a thousand on the intersectionality, yeah, uh, scale or whatever. <laughs> Social math. I'm a negative one, by the way. Because so my things so, like cancel out because I'm, right. I'm straight <laughs> Christian male, uh, but uh, but I'm I've got positive points. I'm black and I'm from the hood and like my parents <laughs> did marry and stuff. But I have a master's degree. I end up a negative one, like yeah. a like yeah. a white guy. Yeah, it's funny. The, math, the master's degree will hurt you, or or if you yeah. make good on meritocracy, like Ben Carson, that actually works against him. Yep. And so they they took they took Ben Carson's name off of that high school, like up in. Uh, yeah. Baltimore, wherever it was, it wasn't Baltimore, wherever he's from. It's the people who it are was, not uh, claiming like to be Detroit victims. Detroit, there we go. Yeah. yeah. The people who are, who are not claiming to be victims are getting victimized. Yes. <laughs> it's upside down, man. It's clown world. We are in the upside down. Oh, it's Stranger Things, man. Yeah. What yeah. the hell? I'm, we're going to stay on Rumble forever. We're still trying to figure out local, like locals, guys. It, God, yeah, they need to make the some good hires. Yeah. They need to hire. I know tons of people from Accenture that would love to leave their boat and jump on yours. Just just let me know. I got people within my group that are like, I'll do it for free. <laughs> let's just yeah. let's get this fixed so we don't have to. I mean, <clears throat> again, hey, it's if they'll do it for speed. free, then they can help me. I administer my own website which is why this is going so slow because I'm tom dude yeah tom, tom is totally down uh, well, we're gonna we're, gonna we're going one. we're gonna continue streaming everywhere Streamyard allows us to drop people off so like we can drop off facebook and linkedin right now and just be on twitch or just be on rumble nice. um getter great platform uh love the guys at getter kaylee and sunny joy all you guys um, and thanks for watching the content. But there's nothing bad about saying, yeah, I'd like to build my own thing. Uh, so my my own website, I would like to have feature articles. Um, I write articles. I'm published in The Federalist. I've got three articles out uh, for publication right now. I would like for my website to look like Tim Pool's website with articles, reliable, you know, but still culture commentary. This is what I love, what we're doing. Yeah. Right. Um, you know, that's another thing too. I, I've noticed with uh, just with media and entertainment in general, if you just keep plugging away, just don't quit. Keep going. Yeah. Eventually, you know, you're going to get to a point where you're actually, you know, making a couple of bucks. It yeah. sucks that you get famous before you start making money, but <laughs> yeah, it's a slow, it's a slow burn for sure. Um, but I fully expect like 2032 for this to be the main gig, no side gigs. Uh, um, and it just stinks. Like as a consult, I was a consultant for a time. So I've seen, I've made a business plan and I've looked at it and without someone like pouring it on, like cat pouring cash out, not work. Cause we pour the work in. Uh, mm-hmm. um, then I know I'm like, okay, this is the timetable outside of some unforeseeable catalyst. Uh, so, but that's yeah. what we're doing. <laughs> we're going to keep growing, man. That's all you can do. That's all you can do. Joe? Okay, so uh, Jeremy, I don't know if you know this or not, but (laughs) I have this sound invasion thing that goes on with my studio. (laughs) I'm constantly muting myself. Can you hear the train in the background? Yeah, it's a nice ambiance, man. It's great. (laughs) It's always the grass cutters. The other day it was a trash guy. I'm like, oh, man. Yeah, and then and then Rex came in and, <laughs> and, and then, of, of course Rex is always getting into the shot. 
There you go. Yeah, the train. The train's nice. <laughs> the train is nice. You know, the, now, now, like yeah, a like weed whacker or something, that that, that wouldn't be as. as uh, <laughs> I almost feel like we're watching uh, Stand by Me right now. Yeah. Oh, there's a deep cut. <laughs> Actually, so we were uh, before we got onto the show, uh, Jeremy. We were talking about uh, like supplements, stuff like that. Yeah, uh, I'm 48 years old. I'm getting up there. I'm all beat up, head to toe, just like Joe. Uh, you know, disabled veteran. It's a lot uh, of climbing. Uh, just it's getting hard to move. You know, it's um, well, I'm getting stitches taken out of my foot today. They're still kind of gluing me back together. Uh, all right. So, what are you? What are your thoughts on supplements? Um, well, I mean, the first thing I would say is, is food is king. You know, it, it's better to have, um, a, a, a very good, you know, diet. I even hate using that word, but right. you know, know what you're putting in your body. I, part of the program is getting back to non-processed single ingredient foods. I'll admit it's, it's harder to, to shop that way and everything. I mean, you're staying on the outer edges of the grocery, you know, buying items that are mostly perishable and that kind of thing, but you really start to feel better. And I noticed the, the first time I went through this as a, as a test for myself with the kind of the meal plan that I've created, my body, and I was pretty out of shape too, but my body was cracking and popping. Like all my joints were just kind of unhealthy feeling. Mm-hmm. And I noticed after two months, I, I, I was like trying to walk quietly through the house, which I could never do because like every stair... Yeah, every stair, both ankles popped. My hips were popped. Like the popping went away. And I wasn't taking glucosamine, chondroitin, like fish oil, none of that stuff. I just started eating like really healthy foods that were like, especially with the animals, you know, grass-fed beef, grass-fed milk. It's weird to say grass-fed milk and grass-fed cheese, but that's what they call it. And not only that, it it, it actually tastes better. Oh, yeah. Yeah. So, I mean, a discussion on supplements, I think, is secondary to, to a discussion on what's the actual foods that you're eating and putting in your body. Because I think there's a lot of healing properties in that. But where people get it wrong is they're like, oh, I had, you know, a, a shot of uh, wheatgrass this morning. And, wh- you know, why, why does my shoulder still hurt? <laughs> like, like, you know, no, this, is a, this is a process. Like, you getting in the shape that you were in where you're like sore and all this, like, you know, some of it's aging, but some of it's just like you've had bad habits for like 15 years. Right. And then you had like some decent smoothies this week. Like that's not going to change anything. <laughs> well, uh, health habits. So for me, eating is everything too. The health habit that changed everything for me, and I feel it with the inflammation response and with the yes. cracks and things is intermittent fasting. I can eat like a dog. I can eat more than I'm supposed to, which is bad, but you know, not having like a maintenance or caloric deficit is what I'm trying to say. Sure. Um, but when I'm not doing it, like I haven't been doing it for maybe four days, I can feel the difference when I wake up and when I go to bed and when I'm moving, when I try and like get up and go, yeah. um, you know, fast, or if I try and exert some power, some energy. Um, but intermittent fasting, people say so many things about it, guys. Uh, my, my hot take on it is it was presented to me to help with the inflammation that I have all over my body, my joints, my back, all of my back injuries. I you know throw a stab wound on there, right? inflammation there too. Um, the pain is noticeably mm. different. I'm much more mobile when I am intermittent fasting and I, you can eat the same stuff. I, I'm addicted to ice cream. I have ice cream like every 40 to 60 hours. <laughs> All right. Yeah. yeah. Like, yeah. I love it. I could have ice cream every night. 
Um, Protein, but sugar. Oh, I, I, I just, could do. <laughs> yeah, I just try and eat, you know, I try and eat after the show. So say two, you know, my window's like 2 to 8 p.m. Perfectly large window. It's yeah. I'm not one of those guys like I eat for 30 minutes a day. Um, it just works for me. Yeah, you know, there, there was a misconception. A heavy part of this was in the 90s and in the early 2000s. And this was this idea. And a lot of it was driven by Bill Phillips and the yeah. Body for Life thing. And it was yeah. this, you know what, we got, where did three square meals a day come from? We need to graze throughout the day and eat these really small, small meals. Small meals, yeah. And, and it keeps your metabolism higher and all that. But, you know, and I believe that for a long time. And I think if you really stick to, you know, a, a calorie-based program where you kind of know how much is going in versus what's going out. Yes, you can achieve your goals that way and all that. But at the end of the day, that whole thing with your metabolism spiking or, or, or not based on yeah. when you eat, I just do not believe that anymore. And I, so I agree with you. I think if you have a smaller like feeding window um, and like say, say you don't eat breakfast, like you were saying, but you have big meals. You're not even counting calories because you know the food you're putting in your body is good food. Good food, yeah. That's that's the main thing. Um, your body's going to just start responding better on its own. And come to find out, Bill Phillips, you know, part of the reason he had that program was he was the CEO and founder, I think, of Metrics, which was like the big, uh, you know, bar the the they're supplement still around, right? shakes, right? Well, they, yeah, but he's I not the guy with them anymore. I think he sold them to Walmart. <laughs> but, uh, but but that, the thing that's is, like, always I see the it. case, like the food pyramid <laughs> brought to you by Kellogg and General yeah. Mills. Like, yeah, but he wanted to sell the. You know, it's like okay, you're you're a businessman, you're trying to do body for life, so you're thinking I've got to have like six meals a day. I don't have time for that. Oh, well, you you got to buy three bars. You have three bars a day. You know, so he kind of had it figured out. You know, get him doing the plan and selling my bars at the same time. Wow, yeah, that's how Tony Robbins. That's got rich. called a lead magnet, folks. Yep. <laughs> yeah, is. yeah, that's awesome. Brilliant, you. Oh mm, man, interesting. What? So that that was uh, my main thing is like. Uh, well, we were talking earlier about like uh, back in the day with GNC and their glass case. You know, where they had oh, these yeah, yeah, supplements yeah. that you could yeah. take and stuff like that. Um, I could see how that stuff would screw up young guys, but when you're getting, you know, up into my age where, you know, hormones are already starting coming down, I don't, I don't know. Um, just because it's natural, is it actually natural? I guess is my question. Look, we told you, you need to see your doctor about your low T. Okay. Stop asking random guests about this. No, just... <laughs> <laughs> you guys are so mean to me. I'm going to start crying. No. Just eat, eat more beef or something. I'm definitely paying more attention, Casey, especially in the program. These days, I'm paying less attention to like, okay, how do I supplement to add more testosterone and things like that? It's more about how do I get my body back to its natural levels? And what do I want to stay away from that has synthetic estrogens and mm -hmm. endocrine disrupting chemicals in it um, that are going to naturally lower my testosterone? BPA. So, I mean, my wife has done a great job actually of, <laughs> of educating me um, and, and taking the time to do... Because to make these habits um, and to change your habits, you know, there's a sacrifice there. But now due to like the plastics, you know, um, if, you, if you have room temperature plastics that you're storing foods and liquids in, that plastic does get into your food. And, and a lot of times it's got phthalates and, and other chemicals that will lower your testosterone. So we've switched to glass for storing food. You know, um, another one is the skillets. Like I, it used to bug me because my wife would not 
she threw away like all our nonstick skillets that are so easy to put eggs in. Like, you know, the eggs just yeah. slide right off. Right. And I, I was like, why are you doing that? She's like, what's well, just the nonstick stuff is bad for you. And I didn't pay attention to that until I read it somewhere else. And then I saw that Tucker Carlson documentary. And then I began to study. It's like, oh my gosh, you know, the, the Teflon and the other things they're using mm-hmm. has those same chemicals in it, which are reducing testosterone. So did you see the this counter- one? It's got me wanting to throw away all my underwear. Yes, I thank oh, you for bringing yeah, that up because I was gonna I was gonna say something about that and I was like, gonna I was gonna mess it up. Twenty two times the let me zoom in for you people that are on Rumble. Twenty two times the safe limit is permitted under California law. There are a lot of things I hate about California, um, but you the the crunchy people of California are truly crunchy, and they held these athletic companies, not just these other ones as well, their feet to the fire, but the the BPAs and the thing about BPA is exactly what Jeremy just said. Mm-hmm. Uh, Dangerous levels of the estrogen mimicking chemical. Uh, I always say this wrong. Bisphenol. No, it's bi. Bisphenol A. Also known That's as close, BPA. yeah. Uh, you know. Guys, like... Like it's such an attack. It's been such an attack. This screws everyone. I, I say attack against men. This screws everyone. It's dangerous levels for women, uh, hormone imbalance, and it's way too much estrogen or estrogen mimicking chemicals for you fact checkers out there mm-hmm. um, for men to be in contact with and to make our underwear out of it. Like I, I have so many athletic, you know, undies. I'm like getting ready uh, to go yeah. all cotton. Yeah. 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 There's a big, you can get overwhelmed with like, where do I, where do I, the more you get educated, you're like, oh my gosh, like there, there's just so many things I'd have to change. But I'd say just one step at a time, like anything else, if you're going to make these changes, you know, try to try to make one switch per week rather than like looking around and changing everything. Cause then you'd have to stop your whole life. Well, the thing that, that kind of drives me crazy, like you were talking about with the nonstick pans, the counter to the nonstick pans are cast iron pans of which are actually good for you food. It actually adds iron to your food cooking in these things. They That's like hell to clean the eggs off, but yes. Yeah. <laughs> That's, that was the most annoying thing is like, if, unless you just cook it perfectly, but if you walk away for like five seconds too oh, long, yeah. dude, like you're scrubbing that thing. You can't multitask when you're cooking. You always, yeah. Yeah, always regret it. With cast iron, you don't scrub cast iron. You just train. (laughs) (laughs) It's a character in the show. It's fine. (laughs) But uh, yeah, just all you have to do is just you know wipe it out real quick and then burn it and then turn that egg into uh, a little extra carbon and then just keep it nice and smooth. There you go. Tips and tricks by Pro right there. There you go. See, and it turns into a. It actually becomes like shiny, uh, like non-skid or non-skid, non-stick. So I wasn't even tracking pan. this. We have a nonstick pan. I think we just have one. Um, the expensive stuff that's like uh, it's um, it's coated with uh, porcelain. Yeah, those, the real expensive ones, those are okay. But it's the cheap ones that you get at Walmart for like you know thirty bucks for the entire set. That's well, I, I don't want to say if we have one of those because then people will make fun of me. That's good to know about the porcelain. I need to look into that. Yeah, that's why those, what are they? Not LaCroix. They're called um, Le Cruste, I think, pots are so expensive. Okay. There's like French, you know, they're like brightly colored or whatever. Sure. They cost like a billion dollars to, sure. but you can cook sure. everything in it. It's like a Dutch oven pot. You can make soups in it, meat. My wife did bread and uh, we don't have 
one of the like. Oh, are you talking like a Dutch ones. oven? Yeah. Oh, nice, nice, nice. There's the yeah. train again. Dude, Not the Dutch man. oven that Rex gave you yesterday. Uh, shit, That's yeah. different. <laughs> <laughs> he was man. blowing the room up yesterday. We've uh, gone okay. so long. I um, but you know, we we have a little bit left. We got to talk about the what what the title of the episode is: the war on masculinity. Oh. Well, we've definitely been circling around it. There's no doubt about that. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Can I have real one one more just dive? Go, go for it. Yeah, yeah. Jeremy. Uh, so Joe Rogan, um, Jordan Peterson, all these guys, Doctor Drew, uh, nothing but protein. They're not even taking in vegetables. What are your thoughts on that? I tried doing it. I can't. I got to get some carbs in. Yeah, I'll be honest. I I've not read the book on that. Just to put it bluntly, um, you know, they're doing the the carnivore diet basically, yeah. and according to them, they're having great results. Yeah. You know, yeah. so I, I can't argue with something. I can't knock something I've not tried. Um, you know, it does sound a little weird to me. Um, in that, you know, I feel like fruits and vegetables, especially vegetables, uh, have have a lot of you know vitamins and minerals that that we need. And, um, and we, I mean, we have molars for a reason. That's for grinding grains and vegetables and stuff like that, not for tearing meat. So yeah, any anything that's like at this point in 2022 that's like kind of brand new, like I, I, I I'm suspect yeah. of it. But I, know. I think it's like a meta thing because Jordan Peterson is obviously very intelligent, yeah. and he said something that sounded so odd and so structured that I was like, this is from a piece of research and it was. So I looked up that white paper article, whatever it was. And again, I've not really read, this is a, we were talking about it yesterday. The, uh, I read a thing on the internet. Now I'm an expert, not an expert in this at all people. <laughs> Kruger, Not an expert. Um, but it seemed that this one piece of research that I saw on the internet that was carrot dangled by Jordan Peterson. This is like a friend of a friend of a social media guy of a professor um, said that they were basically people that have, it's basically genetic. So they're genetically predisposed to thrive in that diet. Okay. Do not so think the carnivore diet is something that can be mass, like for the masses. Yeah. That would be interesting to, if there was a test to figure out who would be genetically predisposed to, to be optimized based on that diet or not? Well, know? it was basically they had illness. I, I heard, and this thing said something like tick-borne illness. I forget what it's called. Um, Lyme disease. Auto, Lyme? Yes, yeah. Lyme, autoimmune, like yeah. some some other like rare stuff. Um, so I'm like, okay, so there's something going. There's likely again, not an expert. There's likely something going on in their bodies with their genetics and their what their systems got going on that it's optimized for that. Well, and that's common. And it's look at Native Americans and sugar. You know, so there's, yeah, I, I, I can see anything about Native Americans. I, I, I'm nodding like thing? I knew, like, yeah, oh, oh yeah. Is that a thing? <laughs> <laughs> what Do they love sugar or they hate sugar? <laughs> oh, they love it. It's not good for their body, though. Is that why it was in, um, remember Dances with Wolves? They they gave, gave a nod, like he, he's, he's, he's making the coffee and yeah. grinding it. And Too then he, he hates it and they put sugar in there and the guy's like, hmm, hmm. Uh, yeah. Sugar. <laughs> <laughs> I never put that together. I didn't uh, make that. <laughs> it was Jordan Peterson was talking about. It. I guess like uh, the Native Americans are actually Asians. They came from Asia. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And then uh, yeah, so Asians, Native Americans uh, are sensitive to sugar and alcohol. 
Oh, I need the alcohol. Oh, yeah. Well, they make some strong alcohol. Have you ever had sake? Eh, It's all right. It's all right. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, It is um, a little bit weird that it's like warm. Mine was like heated up. Soju. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, soju, yeah. Soju. Do they do that hot too? I think they... Uh, I've only had a cold. It's bomb, though. Yeah. Uh, oh, the, I'm so. Anyway, I'm sorry. I got us all sidetracked on the whole one last question thing. It was Joe, a good sidetrack, though. Oh, we landed not, on Native American. Not heard and sugar. <laughs> Native Americans and sugar. Yes. Sorry, they prefer to be called the Washington Commanders. Yes, that's right. The Commanders. Yeah, the Washington Football Team. It reminds me of that band. That band that's called the band you're about to hear. Like, yeah. Wow. Yeah. Wow. You guys. So yeah, we. I, I'm gonna see if I can get us going back on the track here. So we, we were talking about uh, the de, uh, the feminization or uh, demasculization of men. Correct? Is that where yep. we're going? Is that the direction we're going in? I, I think. Well, I mean, yeah, yeah, Joe, Joe's the Joe's the host. Yeah, I mean, both both are happening, or both if you're from certain places. Oh, uh, you're about to get. I back. mean. Here's the deal. Like, I'm not going to stop talking about it. I was really encouraged with the conversation last night um, with Kelly J. I have two boys. I have two girls. We'll have more kids, I'm sure. Um, if, if we're blessed with more kids, uh, we'd love to have them. It is tough. It's so tough with all of the perverse nonsense. I mean, it was already tough for my kids. They're eight through one. I was on the human trafficking task force and having to expose them for for their safety and my family's Mm -hmm. safety to things that kids like shouldn't be exposed to. Um, But now just raising, just raising like a little godly men, godly women in the home is just tough. The culture is insane right now. Yeah. Literally insane. Yeah. It's perverse. I mean, I, I think there's a there's a guy I know named Clay Clark that says this well, but he, he's talking about schools. But I think at this point you could just he's talking about government schools, but I think at this point you could say it about all of culture. And that's like what's easier to do if your kid's like in a little little pool, you know, a little kiddie pool, and there's pee in the pool. Do you try to get the pee out of the pool or do you take your little kid out of the pool? You know? So I mean you hate to remove like your child from, from social interaction and all that. And, and that's not what he's talking about, but in many you know, cases, culture has become so perverse and corrupt. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just can't uh, risk that at this point because it's, they're gone. Yeah. yeah. And all of the arguments for, they're really selfish arguments centered around the parents and their work needs, their schedules, they're this, they're that. And yeah. what's always missing for the conversation is what's best for the kids. Kid, right. That's and right. my yeah. question is whether I'm speaking to parents, children, um, whether I'm speaking to black or minority or an underprivileged community, an underprivileged community of white people, it's what's going to serve you best. This is God's ordered universe. Even if you're not a religious person, the great philosopher Socrates, Aristotle, they said there seems to be an order to the universe. Yeah. And you can look at anything, grass, trees, atoms, animals, whatever. There's an order to this universe and they are trying to create and they, the radical left, the oligarchs, I don't care, the radical right, whoever they are, they are trying to create disorder and chaos out of God's ordered world. No doubt. And they're doing it through our children and they're doing it through gender ideology and they're doing it through 
demasculizing men, the natural protectors, the or the God ordained protectors of civilization. No doubt Nurture about it. like a mother, protect like a father. And it's, you know, our it, answer is no. It's yeah, absolutely. Yeah. It's a it's a multi-pronged approach. You're talking about the attack on men, the war on men, the war on masculinity that's coming from so many angles. And that's why, Joe, you you were saying, you know, it's just hard. It's hard right now. Uh, with with how culture is, not only is it coming from all angles, it's a very old and deep uh, beginning. That, that now you could say, well, since the beginning of, of time, Satan has been after God's order. He wants to flip it on its head. But if you go back, if you want some specifics about in this country what happened, man, if you know the writings of Alice Bailey, have you ever you guys ever heard of Alice Bailey? No, I don't think so. Let me okay. Let okay. me hit the interwebs. She, she started. She started the the uh, Lucifer Publishing Company, which became which became the Lucius Trust because the name Lucifer Publishing Company gave too much away. Right now, <laughs> yeah. Now guess, <laughs> that's so stupid. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, <laughs> who's I'm, I'm, buying these books? Oh, well, I'll tell you who: <laughs> the United Nations. Okay. No. They wow. they are there is one spiritual meditation room in the United Nations at uh, at United Nations Plaza, which used to be at six 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 United the Nations. Website Plaza. Is called, oh, way. The website is called Lucistrust.org. Yeah. And, and the more you read into this, guys, the more you read into Lucius Trust and, and Alice Bailey was its founder. Okay, now she wasn't the... There was a person before her named um, Madame Blavatsky that came over from Russia. She had a huge influence on Adolf Hitler and obviously Alice Bailey and others. But even Bill Gates, okay, this is going to sound crazy, all right? So uh, before I get on Bill Gates, Common Core Education, there was a thing called the World Core Education, which was created by Robert Mueller, who was big time at the UN. Well, in America, we call that Common Core Education, right? Robert Mueller, he said, my number one mentor in, in all the world in terms of education is Alice Bailey, the head of uh, Lucius Trust. So if you don't, if it sounds like, oh, this is kind of like a, a weird rabbit trail, it doesn't seem realistic. No, that they have this, the only spiritual meditation room at the UN. They are the publisher of all of UN's printed materials because that's what they do. They're a publishing company and they, they always, their, their main goal, they say they state it like this: It's to bring forth in in the future the light bearer, where all of humanity is going to be combined in a global kind of utopia as we await the coming of the light bearer. Oh. Well, I mean that makes sense, right? Because Lucifer, translated, is light bearer, right? He's an he's you know he comes as an angel of light, so it's very demonic, and it's not that old; it's a hundred years old. But Alice Bailey wrote a ten-year plan for how to subvert America. I'm sorry a 10-point plan on how to subvert America. And she wrote, she had 10 points for the education system in America. And it is exactly what we're seeing today. And if you, if you don't know this, Bill Gates was pouring hundreds of millions of dollars into making Common Core work. And it didn't work. It didn't really, like it didn't catch on because the states pushed back. And then he said, like this like two years ago, okay, since that didn't happen, we, we got to fix education now. I'm going to give 3.5 billion to fix education. I did a whole video on this on my um, JSLA USA Rumble channel. It's called "Hidden in Plain Sight: A Luciferian Education." If you really want to see like how how much these things are connected, because I made this months ago, so I, I'm I'm a little bit fuzzy on connecting all the dots, but I feel like I made an airtight argument there on why we're seeing what we're seeing with the attack on our kids and like. 
I mean, it's kind of all happened at once, guys, with the LGBTQ stuff since 2020, the race stuff going nuts since 2020. Um, you know, just just insanity. I think this is why, and all we're seeing is the chicken that came home to ro- to roost. I keep coming up. I keep saying it over and over and over again. It's like I, Joe. I swear to God, every sh- single show, I keep saying, I keep bringing up the art of war. This is literally all of this is right out of the art of war, pre-invasion stuff. Feminize the uh, male population, uh, disrupt communication, especially within government. Uh, cut you know supplies off. All the, we're we're open for invasion. Uh, it's, and it, the, what scares me is the fact that everybody is just kind of okay with it. I think most people don't know what to do. Yeah, they yeah. and they're yeah. just totally out to lunch too. So so many people. It's almost like addiction. It's like the first step is knowing you have a problem or being able to admit you have a problem. I, a lot of people, I guess, know. But like just a lot of Americans are just totally out to lunch. They don't know. They're, yeah. World Economic yeah. Forum's got their battle plan posted on their website and they're they're just like, no, I don't think this is a threat. Yeah. yeah 100%. Yeah. And I mean, it, big tech will still tell you that the Great Reset is like a right-wing conspiracy theory when like the it's Great the Reset... the name of their book. <laughs> is, yeah, the name of the book. Like, it, it, you know, you had characters. I don't know. Did you ever see the... Because um, the, the clips were all over the internet of like, El, no, it was, it was Grover on Sesame Street talking about the Great Reset. Yeah, I saw that. Yeah, it's just right. like it was everywhere, but they still get to say it's a conspiracy theory if you're talking about it in a negative way. That That's just resurfaced wow. like in the last couple of months. I saw that on Twitter again. Yeah. One of the aspects of the warrior program is to take guys that know there's something wrong, but until now they've considered it somebody else's problem. So I, I call the first 30 days of the program your great awakening. And that's where we get intense on what's going on inside of you. The last 30 days is called, uh, wait, I'm sorry, your great reset, your great reset is the first 30 days because that has to do with the inner man, what, what's going on in you. Then the next 30 days is your great awakening. And that gets very educational about stuff going on in our world. And we talk about those things. And through that course of, now there's really 70 days in it. Through that course of time, I'm getting to know these guys, what their jobs are, what, what's really pressing on them and their families. And I try as best I can to help them find their lane. Because like, you know, we all had said this, but like I'd said before, if you try to battle on all fronts, you're going to be feckless in the face of it. You, you can't get anything done. But if you pick your lane, and you say, okay, I'm in the finance industry. I manage hundreds of millions of dollars for all these families in my community. And I didn't know about ESG scores. And I was sending all their money to BlackRock, basically, because it was a good investment. Like, now I'm not going to do that. It may take a little more work, but I'm going to invest in those companies that support my values. So it's kind of a win-win. You're still helping those families make money. And you're also being able to tell them, hey, we're not going to support companies that are trying to you know, remove your parental rights, basically. Um, yeah. So you can help people find their lane. And I think that's a powerful thing. So you can actually be self-sufficient financially and feel good about it? <laughs> that, that would be ideal, yes. Interesting. That used to be the the left used to argue no. You know, back in Ayn Rand's day, they were like, <laughs> being rich is evil. Uh, yeah, that's yeah. why they they pervert everything. They perverted for the love of money is the uh, root of all kinds of evil. I've been down that English, and they they perverted that to the love of money is evil. So you know what's so funny? Um, well, you know, the, well, let me say one more thing. 
I even let that pervert my, because that message for the love of money is the root of all evil. You know, I, it's funny. I was using that as a point, like even like a year ago. And this girl that was way sharper than me and, and further along in her journey of truth, I said it wrong. Cause, and I think a lot of people make this mistake. I said money, not love. I said money. Yeah is the root of all evil. And she that's goes, what no, I used no. to say. The love of money, because that's when it's an idol. That, that's what Jesus yeah. was referring to, was yeah. that it becomes an idol. And I think the left was able to say, no, money itself, even though all the leftists right now have all the money, really. Exactly. <laughs> right. all the institutions yeah. right. Dave Ramsey laughs in someone's face. Like, he laughs out loud when people say that, because it's not true. Like, mm. this isn't from the Bible, but like, I, I mean, you look at my resume, it kind of reads like a Tom Clancy novel. The original saying, post-enlightenment, Renaissance man, Renaissance women as well, who are much more capable than today's men and women. Um, the saying was that you ought to be a jack of all trades and a master, master of, of one. And oh. A master of one. Oh. And now we have, they say, to stand up this expert class where you can't say no to Dr. Fauci because he knows and you don't. I can't answer that because I'm not a biologist. And, you know, uh, uh, what's his name? Not Eisenhower. Um, oh, man. Was it Reagan? Said, like, beware the expert class. They're going to stand up this expert class. I'm a security expert. For me to say to a small 110-pound, uh, five-foot-nothing white woman, hey, a good security tactic for you is to walk alone uh, by yourself in dark alleys at 3 a.m. She's going to say, no, you're an idiot. But if I could say, well, I'm the expert. You can't say that. Right. That's yeah. where they came out with the jack of all trades is a master of none. Oh, okay. um, can't be trusted. You you can only trust the expert class who they only know this one thing. Yeah. That's I'm, a mistake. I'm kind of blown away. That, I'm sorry, Jeremy. Just real quick. Uh, I'm kind of blown away that you and I actually had the same story with the very same I used to for my entire life because I had this hardcore liberal mother that was telling me that I'm a liberal, even though all my beliefs... <laughs> We're nothing. <laughs> I was totally right my entire life being convinced I was liberal. But literally, yeah. The you were trans. You were trans political. <laughs> I was. I was trans political. I didn't even know it. He was a transservative. Yeah. <laughs> oh, that's a shirt. Transservative. <laughs> yeah, I think we're going to print that one out, dude. <laughs> it needs like a really cool graphic to go with it, but I like it. Yeah. <laughs> Along with Diesel Saves. Remember that one from yesterday? <laughs> yeah. No, I didn't. Yeah. I didn't yeah, diesel uh, saves. Diesel saves. Did I write that down? I did write down diesel yeah, saves lives. Yeah, I, I am yeah, going to make that sure. Transservative would have to be like a blue-haired uh, for person me, though, in like guess, a MAGA hat. I guess what bothers me is the fact that, uh, and, and I only see this from the left. I okay, uh, on the right, I see guys going, "Hey, look, I, I I see what you're talking about, you know." But here's the counter, you know, to your view, devil's advocate. When you talk to people on the left, they go, "You think this way." Or else, yeah. And so I'm a little. Or else, kid. you're a fascist, racist, yeah. or will beat you down, physical harm. Be alive. Here's Casey child. with his Polish, you know, Jew grandma, and people in my face screaming, you know, uh, punch a Nazi in the face, and you're a Nazi, and da up because I said I'm conservative and I like Trump. Sorry. Yeah. So, so yeah, so it's eggs, man, and it's it's never a counterpoint. That's the whole thing. Okay, your views are wrong. At least I see your views as being wrong because 
of this and this and this and this. You don't ever yeah. get that type of a counterpoint from them. You just get think the way I do, or I'm going to destroy you. Yeah, and and us being in this place was a long time coming. You know, I think especially Christians, but conservatives in general, but especially Christian conservatives, had been so schooled in the idea of hey, have a conversation, be winsome, talk mm-hmm. talk through it. You know, you you guys can still be friends, talk through it. The thing is, like they never actually wanted a conversation, but they didn't have the power yet to ask for capitulation. Now they're at that point. They have all these different power structures. They're saying, no, if you, we, we don't want to have this conversation with you at all. We want you to capitulate. And the conservatives are still just trying to love them and be winsome. So they end up realizing like, okay, I can't really talk to them because they're being mean to me. So I'm just going to sit on my conservative couch and wait for the next, next time we vote. But we're in, a, we're in a war. We're in an ideological war. And it's James going on. to be very uncomfortable for a lot of people. Yep. Especially with the whole diesel shortage and all this other stuff, the game is on. Yeah, <laughs> and it's the people who are training before they get on the field that are going to be able to get it through the game. But you know, dude, he said all the time, "Art of War." Sun Tzu. He I'm said, "Oh, no, was it Sun Tzu on, or was it the other guy?" It's it's Sun Tzu. Kimori. I think it was Sun Tzu who said, um, "If it wasn't him, it was Kamori. It was uh, bleed more or sweat more in peacetime, bleed less in wartime." Oh, or yeah, it's uh, it's better to be a gardener in a war than a warrior. Oh, I'm sorry, it's it's better to be a war. Oh, ah, it's better it's to be a, be a war. warrior <laughs> in a garden than a gardener in a war. Yeah, <laughs> that's what I was trying to say. Yeah, <laughs> yeah it's it's okay to be prepared. Hundred percent. Right, well, I mean that that was another idea of mine when I was coming up with the program. Is I, I've I you know I think all of us are ahead of the game because we're in this world. We're fighting it with ideas right now. Um, and hopefully that's where it stays and we can win on ideas. But I mean, to some degree, like I feel like it, I'm trying to build an army of guys who are ready for whatever comes their way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, because if it's not a great awakening and it's, it's truly they get their way on a great reset, fourth industrial revolution, and that's the way history turns, man, men are going to be needed to be strong and clear in their head and not addicted, not living in the metaverse. Like we're going to need those men badly, you know? Mm-hmm. But in order to get a great there, go ahead. There are a lot of these groups too. Uh, John Lovell's got Warrior Poet Society. I'm part of a group called Shield Wall. You've got yeah. uh, Warrior or yeah, Warrior MBS. Like it, this is happening <laughs> all across the country. Yeah, uh, we, we used to, you know, we've always bought good quality food on the outside of the grocery store on the outer edge, you know. Now we buy our groceries from two farms. We go to a house Bible study on another farm. Wow, that's awesome. And it's like, but it, it's part of the, the community's everything. We're humans, we're relational people. And I completely agree. I hope that the United States of America, the way that we know it as a constitutional republic, has many, many, many decades ahead of it. Um, but, you know, hope for the best, plan for the worst. That's right. Right. Yeah, that's what yep. we got to do. And that's why, you know, earlier in this conversation, I think we were, I don't think it was pre-shooting this. I think we were live. I talked about the Washington Post and the other, um, you know, leftist publications. If you look up men in masculinity or guys that work out together who are on the right wing, they, they truly are trying to demonize that as much as possible. And I think they wouldn't do it if they didn't fear it. Um, so I think that it's actually a good thing. And, and, you know, all you gotta do is look inside and say, am I a Nazi? Am I out to like, you know, kill people and hurt people? It's like, no, I'm not, but my political enemies kind of seem to be. Right. <laughs> right. And it's such a trope because we're the ones who could do like, I, it, like one of the ways that I get people 
don't I don't recommend doing this, casual listener. I'm very good at it. If you do it, you could be arrested or something. Um, but like getting people to come around to the truth about firearm ownership and use. Um, and like the angriest people, I don't know why, but it's always an 18 to 28 year old white female for some Who's reason. Never handled a gun. And I'm like, when you come into the knowledge, you come into the knowledge somehow that I own firearms, that I wear firearms. People have never seen me. If I could lawfully carry a firearm in the place that you saw me, I had one. Like, you've never seen me without a firearm. So they come into that knowledge. And then I'm like, here's the deal. You, you've just found out that I have a gun. If I took it out and killed this person and turned my sights on you, what is your battle plan? plead for your life, beg, just sit there and die. Like there, there needs to be something more than that. We, we're the good guys. Like if I went on a rampage, it would be bad. Yeah. But yeah. we don't do that. No, we don't do that. Ever. I mean, yeah. Yeah. Funny enough that you said, now I'm going to flip it because you talked about what would, what would this girl's battle plan be? Right. And she wouldn't have one. You remember that article? Uh, it might've been even, I think it was the New York Times or maybe CNN did a special on how to defend yourself if you're not like someone that would want to carry a gun. And it was like, pee on yourself. Mm, try to yeah. try to try to induce vomiting. Like <laughs> <laughs> when you make remember, yourself unattackable. Yeah, you remember that? <laughs> say outrageous stuff like that. The tasers, the Krav Maga. Like I do Brazilian jiu-jitsu. Uh I was in law enforcement. I, I don't carry a taser, but I I did once upon a time, pepper spray, whatever. I, I tell people like, hey, do you think that you'd, like if you fought a Navy SEAL, what do you think would win? Like if you got into a fist fight. And sometimes they'll dance around it. And I'm like, no, the SEAL would win because the Navy SEAL was heavily trained. You know what they use for personal protection? A gun. But yeah. it's going hands-on and peeing and having to do this psychological <laughs> like gymnastics. It's like... <laughs> no, I can you, fight. Yeah, I'm very you. skilled with edged weapons, with hand-to-hand combat, but I use a gun. That's the that's what works best. Right. Yeah. One of the things that cracks me up about people who are like anti-gun is mo- I, I don't think I've ever met anybody who's anti-gun who ever shot a gun. I take them out shooting. They show up to the range anti-gun. They leave the range pro-gun. Right. Once they pull off a couple of rounds, oh, this is cool. Oh, I totally want to. Can we go shooting again? And it, yeah, it, yeah. it's just, it's so it's, these people are speaking out of ignorance. They just, you know, it's, it's not. They, they say only Nazis carry guns or. Yeah. Only yeah I think that's people who like to eat. Yeah. That's a big part of They're speaking out of ignorance on the one hand, but on the other hand, you, the, a lot of them are speaking out of their, their, their political high horse. I mean, that's their value system. And oh, for them, yes. it's, like, it's like wearing a mask to be anti-gun. Like, oh, like, I care about the community. That's why I would never carry a gun, you know? I love Coleon Noir. He's like a uh, black conservative gun rights activist. Love him. Uh, I forget what his show is called. It might be called Coleon. I don't know. Or Noir. Uh, I don't know. It doesn't matter. Um, But he... uh, Oh, man, I forgot what I was going to say. Coleon, trans uh, something... Uh, da, 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 da. I don't remember. I don't remember what I was going to say at the beginning. That's all right. At all. <laughs> I can feel, I can feel the gap. I've got, a, I've got a question for you, Joe. All right. So it may, it. Maybe a little bit off topic, but you know, I, the two after George Floyd died, 
the two weeks, like right after that, where, you know, you, we just had Brianna Taylor and all that. And, and, and I, I think you as well as uh, all of us know that that was a farce on its face, but yet like Oprah put her, you know, it was the first time Oprah had not been on the cover of her own magazine and she put Brianna Taylor on there. <laughs> so like culturally, everything was already like going this direction. Then George Floyd happened and you were, I guess you already had your podcast at the time. I'm guessing. I didn't. George Floyd, COVID and George Floyd is what made me start a podcast. Okay. Okay. So, so how emotionally, like those two weeks right after, how, how were you dealing with that? Cause there were very few, even people that had typically been strong about, you know, what was true and what was not like Candace Owens was one of the very few that I feel like still was like saying, no, like you guys have the whole story. This, we don't need to make like him out to be this saint or victim. Um, what did you do during that time? Uh, every single day, uh, I was telling someone that the news was full of crap. Uh, I've been a firearms instructor. I've been a hand-to-hand combat instructor in the military. There is no... The manner of which they said he died, there's no physical mechanism by which to make that manifest, which is big words to say, it is impossible... <laughs> Physically impossible for you, for I, for the world's greatest jujitsu master to choke someone to death with the knee on the neck, whether we're talking uh, blood choke and air choke. One, for blood choke, you can't have you can't have both carotids if you're shin. And it would it would it's almost impossible. And I've tried. Steven Crowder's tried. You might have friends that have tried to induce a blood choke with a shin. Yeah. Um, <laughs> on one side of the neck. Two sides of the neck, great. I can put you in the triangle. I can choke you out like that. But that's... So he, he died of an overdose. And yeah, I, said, <laughs> I said he died of an overdose because they're saying that he died this way. He says it's impossible to choke someone to death that way. Also, you can hear him talking to the moment that he overdoses and dies. It's impossible. If I'm choking you, you're not talking. Yeah. It's kind of a, a thing. Well, thank God for brave voices like yours, man. Because like that, even though I was pretty, very strong in my conservative beliefs and like what was true and false and all this, that was like one more thing. And I got, I, I kind of clammed up for like two weeks until I, and just got quiet. And also being white on top of that, which that plays into their narrative of, you know, you're, you're white. It's time for you to shut up and you, you know, you just listen right now. And I was like considering like, maybe I'm wrong. Maybe I'll I'm wrong. I'll tell you exactly what happened. This is an OG Joe Mobley show uh, story. All right. I am at Accenture, uh, which I usually leave the, the name of the firm out, but I've already said it. Can't take it back. Uh, I'm at Accenture, uh, world's largest consulting firm. I was on their, in their federal consulting practice. Um, Accenture is impossibly diverse. When I was there, it was 510,000 employees, 530. They're like 630 now bigger than the United States Army, impossibly diverse, half men, half women, every color of the rainbow, every sexuality of the rainbow, and straight geniuses there. Some of the most brilliantly talented and just brilliant people I've ever met. Uh, I'm on a call. It's days after George Floyd. It's the week of like George Floyd's death. Um, I'm on a call. There's like 100 people on it. And I realize somehow in, in all of the cosmos and all of the diversity at Accenture, I was the only black male on the call. Hmm. Uh, there were black women and there were mixed women and there were brown people. There were, you know, American Indian, Native and um, uh, 
like brown skin Asians on the call. Um, but no sooner than I realized that, I was like, oh man, one of these rich old white people is going to ask me to say something and be totally stupid. <laughs> and no sooner there was an older white MD, managing director that said, you know, I think we've said enough. We're going to give the, the floor to... And I knew it. I was like, oh man, he's going oh, to no. be like, Joe, do you have a want us to sit and listen? We need to see the black view. Right, right. And I read them the right act. Now, there was a woman on the call who was next who had previously stated the trauma that she goes through. She said that she was afraid when she runs in her affluent neighborhood on the running trail behind her house because she... Yep behind the woods because she thinks that someone might get confused that she's a robber and come out back and shoot her, which is bullcrap. That hasn't happened since the literal 60s. Um, so, yeah, no, that, that's not the thing that happens. You say you read, you read in the riot act. Like, what, what, yeah. how did that go? I had to address this employee's fear and experience, felt lived experience or whatever. And I said, hey, uh, we'll call her Nicole, common enough name. It's not her name. Uh, I was like, hey, you know, the fear and anxiety that Nicole was feeling is real to her, but it's not real in reality. Just like my four-year-old is afraid of the dark. She's really afraid. She's really yeah, wow. night terrors. There's nothing in the closet under the bed or in the darkness of the room. Uh, so what needs to happen, like I need to teach and shepherd my four-year-old through this, who's now six, not afraid of the dark. Someone needs to teach and shepherd her through this, the black community through this, because, you know, there are 12 million law enforcement officers that conduct over a half a billion law enforcement interactions a year. If 1% of law enforcement officers killed an unarmed black person, that would be epic. That would be epic. It would be huge. Well, well, where am I at here? Yeah, sorry. That's me, sorry. And as a data company, with all of this intelligence, all of this data, and we only make data-driven and fact-based decisions, I said, I am appalled. This is completely irresponsible. It's socially irresponsible. Um, we have a duty and an obligation to do better for our clients, for, for Black America, whoever we're trying to help with the facts and the intellect and even the charisma that we have, we have a duty to do better. Mm. And I told them that I was ashamed of our actions and our company's statements about George Floyd. I was like, I don't know if you know this, but I was a law enforcement officer and I will not disparage law enforcement. I was wow. in the military and I will not disparage the military over these lies. Dude, and I'm going to strip this you, for an Instagram reel or something. This is that, that, such, such a beautiful uh, answer. And suck the oxygen out, and and they just disregarded it. I'm getting pings from everyone. Like this is all. I found out every one of my conservative colleagues that day, because uh, yeah. they all hit me up on Teams or LinkedIn. Did did the uh, the MD, the managing guy, did he ever come to you about anything with that? We so that conversation kind of was like uh, a rant heard around the firm. Um, so he had a conversation just he and I. And he, um, another MD, who was a, a white woman who's awesome. Uh, both of them are liberals. They're pretty 
decently. Let me scoot over here. They're pretty I'm decently trying to laugh. I'm, I'm sorry, man. <laughs> Which thing are you trying to click on? <laughs> I'm trying to get it to where it'll set up. There we go. That's what I was looking for, bro. I'm sorry. I'm still hey, learning, thanks man. I'm thanks sorry. for plugging my Rumble page, though. I appreciate that, Jason. Thank <laughs> hey, you. No problem, well, brother. the thing is, I don't understand how you, you got your banner to look like this. Because, like, my banner... Doesn't ever cover the whole screen. Let's see here. This is a lot of clicks. Yeah, my banner is like got these two stupid white things. Yeah, I actually had to create something that wide and upload it. Okay, I need yeah. to do better. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, you do. <laughs> uh, <laughs> which one of these are we going with? Are we going with this one? Uh. No, oh, that one looks weird. Let's go with this one. I always feel like I need to resize my... Uh, if I do this, I need to like resize my head. You want everybody's head to be... Now my head looks huge, but that, that's okay. Yeah. <laughs> I don't yeah, mind. that's why I don't use that one. I use this one. Sorry, the, the illusion is being broken down for you, I guess, if you're watching here. It's like, what's happening? Uh, yeah, no, I, I read them the right act. That MD uh, is still a friend. And um, so I'm technically, I'm from like New York City area of Long Island. Um, I claim to be from Virginia though, because I was raised in Virginia, but I'm, I'm from Long Island. Uh, he was from Baltimore City. Um, so he just has these, these closely held beliefs about institutional racism, redlining, uh, generational poverty that He's seen mm -hmm. with his own eyes. So um, it's weird, but as an older, affluent white man, he says to me that I can't take away his lived experience, but his lived experience is anecdotal and observational based on his observations of a community that he's not in. And I am a part of that community and I lived in that community. It's very strange. Like when I was in elementary school, an elementary schooler gutted my principal in front of everyone. And you just walk around his bleeding body and go to lunch, you know? Wow. So we just, we have stark disagreements, but he set a meeting with me privately to just talk to me. He was fascinated that I would say that. Um, I, I got promoted that year um, and a big part of it, I know, uh, I got promoted ahead of schedule um, at the firm. And I know in the evaluations and in my conversations with him, he was two runs ahead above me. Um, he just said, like, you know, my authenticity and courage is, mm. like, infectious. It's good for the team, yeah. um, which I think is true as well. I think those are good qualities in any leader. Um, but other people were curious, like this other, you know, rich white female uh, MD, for lack of a better term. That's just the group that she's in. Um, and she was the capability lead for Army. So she owned, like, all of Accenture's Army account. Um, crazy job. Goodness gracious. But, uh, she wanted to meet with me too. So the three of us met and, um, kind of had the same conversation at the end. They both disagreed, but they knew that I was a safe place to have that conversation. They could, they could ask me stuff and talk to me about stuff that you couldn't talk to anyone else about. Yeah. Um, but really, we just need to be having conversations. No one's having these conversations. Everyone's afraid of being canceled, called a bad word, or fired. 
Um, yeah. Well, you took a bold step and that's, that's what most people need to do is just exercise that. Cur- I mean, I don't know how much courage that took from you because you were probably already pretty bold, but you know, for, well, I was, so I'm on a teams meeting cause it's after COVID and I was, uh, like my call sign in the military was, uh, Iceman because you know, my, my number two guy said that he said, I could never recall a situation where Sergeant Mobley was afraid, which is bullcrap. I was afraid all the time. Um, but he said that like he's got ice in his veins. And I was, once I realized that they were going to call on me to say something about the Floyd thing, I was gripped with fear. Mm. I was sweating bullets. And I thought, what the hell is going? I've dealt with everything from a terrorist to a cartel member, human traffickers, no problem. But speaking out against the leftist mob, I was gripped with fear. And I said, if this is happening to me, it's a problem. And yeah. that's why the show exists and all of the coming out of the conservative closet. That was day one. That's awesome. Of this. What a great story. Yeah. But, you know, and your, your uh, MD, like the dot he didn't connect is like, he's saying, oh, this is my lived experience. I've seen this community, all this. And it, it was Baltimore, right? Yeah. Well, I mean, is it going well for the black community in Baltimore and are they not ran almost completely by Democrats? Like almost completely exclusively? Well, I'll do you one better. I've got him the right act about that too. Larry Elder, huge mentor of mine. There's a guy he ran for Congress out here. His name is uh, Paul Lott. Uh, He's a friend of mine. Um, owns a couple of companies. One of them is um, for, it's like NAACP, but it's something different. It's it's like a national advancement of of black people type thing. I think instead of color, he said black. NAABP. <laughs> yeah, something like that. Um, and he he's all in. He would take sabbaticals from work every uh, three to seven years, buy a house in a terrible underserved community and mentor kids for a year. Paul Lott would do this throughout his career. He still does. Um, when he did Baltimore and he compiles research and he does mentorship and he kind of is like a think tank type person. Um, the research that he did in Baltimore City showed that the city was, um, and Larry Elder says this all the time, it was basically a third black, a third Hispanic, and a third white or other. Uh, now, media will tell you 70% of black kids, um, 75, 77% of black kids are dropping out um, in Baltimore City. Okay. Well, 72% of Hispanics and 69% of white and other. Mm. So it's really concentric circles of poverty. The real truth is seven out of 10 Baltimore kids, period, are dropping out of schools, white, black, Asian, whatever. And they're highlighting, it's a lie to say that this is just something that goes on in the black community. And you look at Detroit, Chicago, you you have to shrink the, the data pool to only because things are so bad. Right. There are more white people on welfare. There are more uh, white people incarcerated for drug offenses. There are more black people incarcerated for uh, violent crimes because black people commit 90% of violent crimes. Um, but it's just... <laughs> the numbers... Our country is so racist against white people. It's <laughs> incredible. It's truly incredible. Um, <laughs> I mean, yeah, and it, it, it's nuts. White people are the it's it's the root of all evil. Yeah. <laughs> White people are the root of all evil. <laughs> yeah. Oh well, what do you do? <laughs> I grew up in that culture. I grew up in the culture of black is better, black is best, like white is just 
lesser on the basis of its whiteness. Yeah. I'm like, oh, we're black supremacists then. That that's what we are. It's it's nuts. Now you guys don't say that. You can't go out to Wegmans and say what I just said. That would go badly. <laughs> like, listen here, you black supremacist. Uh, it'd be true. Uh, but yeah, Baltimore is a mess. I wouldn't even go there, you know, now. Yeah. It's right up the road for me. It's a nightmare up there. Well, that, that's the beauty of all that we're talking about is the actual data. You know, we have that on our side. I mean, in, you know, the only thing we got to worry about, like in terms of data, is when the CDC starts to, um, you know, change the data. When they become so dishonest, they keep the data from you. You know, that's when it gets scary. But I think in all of these issues, as long as you're educated, you can always point to like the facts. And that's that's always been our strong point. But yeah. If, if you can get people so. to actually listen to the facts. That's the, I, that, that, that's the hard that's the hard part. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I'm I'm enough. hoping. I'm hoping yeah. that the facts win the day, but it's it's rough. Oh gosh, it's rough. Good times. All right. Well, hey, we've gone on for an hour and thirty. Uh, the audience is probably getting fatigued. So we'll plug all the things. Hey, if you're still here and some of you are, like, share, and subscribe to the show. Thanks so much for listening. Make sure... Oh, I guess we've got the rumble up there still, but ah, how do I... Now I'm doing a casing. I had to click every button to get to the right (laughs) one. Uh, Make sure you go and check out Warrior MBD, Mind, Body, and Soul. No, MBD, MBS. What am am I writing? Here, let's get that out there. Uh, WarriorMBS.com. I was like, D, what? Mind, Body, and Delusional? (laughs) Some of that, yeah. Oh gosh! Now the wrong website is up there. Oh yeah, my god! That's, that's not oh, one of are. our words. That he's not in the in the crew. Like. <laughs> that's our sparks person. <laughs> I like that when I type start typing warrior in uh, warrior poet society and and you come up warrior mbs. There There's the website, guys. <laughs> Oh, make sure there, you, there we go. There we go. Make sure oh, you uh, link up with Jeremy Slade and uh, Jay Slay on Rumble and Warrior MBS, uh, as in mind, body, and soul.com. WarriorMBS.com. Uh, links are right below, so you don't even have to Google this, guys. You can just click it. Uh, anything? Good you guys got anything to close us out or before we close out? Great chat. Yeah, thanks, guys. I'll just say the only other thing is we talked about the crazy, you know, stuff from the past with education. Check out the Hidden in Plain Sight series on my Rumble channel. I think you'll be uh, pretty interested. Got that noted down, actually. Awesome. I have it pulled up over here on the screen that I can't share. Uh, yeah, you have to find the one. I think it's ep- it's ep- episode two, uh, a Luciferian ed- education. That's the name of it. Awesome, Jeremy. Thanks so much for joining us, man. Look forward to having you on the show again soon. Thank you, guys. Appreciate all y'all do. Thanks for listening, and I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Joe Mobley Show. Remember to subscribe and make sure you don't miss out on future content. You can always show your support by leaving a review or making a financial contribution by going to thejoemobleyshow.com and hitting support the show. Now to him who is able to do immeasurably more than all we ask or imagine, according to his power that is at work within us. To him be the glory in the church and in Christ Jesus throughout all generations, forever and ever. Amen. If that was the first prayer you've ever prayed, I hope it won't be the last. Until next time, this is The Joe Mobley Show.